Man, God is good. Well, we've been on this series, Health and Healing, for a long time. Amen? But tonight is the conclusion. We've addressed and and, uh, looked at, this is the 20th manifestation of healing in scriptures that there were the result of, Jesus, of the ministry of Jesus himself personally. He, many, 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 many people were healed. Um, thousands and thousands, and no, there's no telling how many people were healed. But these are the documented healings in Scripture. Um, and so, tonight we're going we're gonna to look at this last one. But um, I want to just say a couple things as we, as we look at these passages of Scripture. We're going to turn to first passage. Uh, this healing is, is recorded in uh, the book of John and the book of Luke. And so we're going to look at John 18 and starting with verse 1. But um, I, I, want to, I want to say this to you. I want you to think about this and, and really... I mean, I, I've, I've said this throughout this series, but I, but I want you to really meditate on it. And it's the fact that it is God's will for every human being created in his image to be well. It's God's will. It's God's will for people to be well, every person, because he's already paid the price for our healing. He's already done it. And, and we, we have to navigate through Scripture and see that that's really true for ourselves. We have to see that it's true. We have to believe it because I'm telling you, it's, you know, it's not just about your life and you being well, but you having something to help other people believe that same thing. Because if you're, if you're just repeating what I'm telling you and you don't really believe it yourself, it won't last in you telling other people. And when you're just repeating something, you know, I, I went, one time I had somebody say, make this comment. Everybody go ahead and laugh first before I say this. <laughs> um, but I heard somebody, somebody came to me and said, uh, this years ago, uh, you know, I, I met somebody from your church the other day, and man, they were really aggressive. And I said, "Really? Yeah, I mean, just like, just kind of hammering me about scripture about being healed." And I thought, "Well, who was it?" <laughs> no, I didn't. And and uh, and and. We talked for a little while longer, and after I left her, I, you know, it was, it was somebody in the body that had heard teaching on healing, and they got really stirred up about it. Anybody ever been there? I got both hands up. I mean, hear the word, I get stirred up. And uh, didn't really understand how to process it first before you try to vomit it on other people, because that's kind of what it's like. You, you understand? When you believe it, you don't have to tell anybody. 
But when you believe it, people, you become like a, a human magnet. People just come out of the woodworks when you believe it. It works that way. And you don't have to force anything that you kind of believe on someone else's life. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, the, the person that told me this, they ended up telling me who it was. And, and you know, I knew for a fact that the person that told them that really wasn't practicing that in their own lives. And I won't go into detail, it didn't really matter. I knew they really weren't practicing it, but they were, but they were really listening and they were growing in it, you know, and, and you have to grow in it. And, uh, but, but what happens is when you don't make it your own and you don't really believe, and we're, we're talking about health and healing, you don't really believe it is God's will for you to be well, for all people to be well, no matter what, no matter the circumstances, anything else. Yeah, but, you know, this case is, 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 is you know, real extreme. And, and, and so it's so extreme it's bigger than God? No case. He died one time for all people. Saved, healed, delivered, set free, totally. The, the work has already been done. Now we have to learn how to receive it. And when, when I believe that that's true, then no matter what it looks like, no matter how I feel, no matter what I've been through, no matter what, the stories of what other people have been through, doesn't matter, I believe that that's true. And I will stay with it until I see the manifestation. Well, you know, what if, what if I stay with that and I end up dying of something? Well, at least you stayed with it and you processed this in your life and you kept meditating on it and, and everything else. You, you, did you hear what I said? Because a lot of times the voices that come to you to bring doubt and unbelief that it's not true, people spend more time trying to prove that it's not true than just receiving what he's actually done. And we've got to be actively receiving, not just in this area, in every area. Can you say amen? I heard this statement years ago. Uh, I think it was by a guy named F.F. F. Bosworth. I think, I think that's who I remember this came from. I mean, a bunch of people have quoted it. But I heard this statement. <clears throat> Faith begins where the will of God is known. So, as you're developing faith, you're not actually in faith until the will of God becomes known to you that you become convinced that it's true. Then when faith is in action, when something is faith, it's not presumption. We're not calling it faith when it's really not. When faith is really in action, it's because I've taken ownership of what the will of God is in that specific area of my life. So, I'd really encourage you to go back over these teachings. Go to the website. You can listen to them. Most of these are on our YouTube channel where you can actually watch them. I just encourage you to go back and listen to these words and these messages because it will build your faith. It will build you up in an expectation to be in a place of receiving what is yours. Health and healing is yours. You're born again. Not only are you saved, but you're healed and delivered. 
If not, then you're not saved. The word saved that most people think of saved is that you're saved from going to hell. When I first got born again, that's what I was taught and I was told. That's not what he was saying. Saved means born again. It means being born a second time, receiving Jesus as your Savior. You're not just saved from going to hell. The word is soterion, and it means to be saved, to be delivered, to be healed, to be whole, to be totally complete. So when you accepted Jesus, you became totally complete. It's a package thing. Heaven's my destiny. It's where my destination is, is heaven the literal place called heaven. That's where we're all headed towards from this life to there. But living here, I can be saved from all kinds of issues in life. I can walk in divine health and healing, divine prosperity, divine deliverance in every area of my life. I don't have to live on this planet born again like I'm living in hell. In areas of my life. I can be set free from anything and everything. Can you say amen? It's God's will for that. So tonight we're talking about health and healing. And <clears throat> tonight these, these two accounts, and it's pretty amazing the difference in like John's account of something and Luke's account of something. We know Luke was a doctor. He was more of an educated person than, than, Peter, than um, John was. And, um, and so he's more detailed in the things that he, in the way that he describes specific things. But um, tonight we're looking at... Um, The healing of the Roman soldier. The healing of the Roman soldier. And um, I just want to start in verse 1 in, in John 18. And it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the, book, the brook Kindron, the Kindron Valley there, where there was a garden, which was the Garden of Eden. You know, John didn't go into a whole lot of detail, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who had betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things... That would come upon him went forward and said to them, Who are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now, when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. They drew back and fell to the ground. These are trained Roman soldiers on a mission to arrest Jesus. This right here 
is the beginning of the most intense pressure ever put on a human being. No one's ever, I don't care what you've been through, you never went through what he went through. And he knows, it, it just said, he knew what was fixing to happen. And over the next 14 to 16 hours from right then was the most excruciating pressure ever to come on a human being. All the sins and mistakes of humanity that had ever lived, that were living in that day and ever would live, came upon him. While in the garden, he began to sweat these drops of blood. It says in another place. And, um, and when they came in his presence, he was so connected to God that they fell out. Here they are to arrest him, and they said, who you, he said, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, that's me. And they fell out. And he's looking at them thinking, okay, you need to arrest me. We need to get on with this thing. In his mind, he knows what's fixing to happen. We need to get on with this and let, let's, let's finish this. What are you guys doing laying on the ground? Then he asked them again, who, who, who are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I've told you that I'm he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. The servant's name was Malchus. He was the servant of the high priest. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the seath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? He knew what needed to be done. Now, John doesn't give us a lot of information about this, but I just wanted to read that. And now I want to go into Luke's account. And it's found in Luke 22 and starting with verse 39. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed. And his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. And while he was still speaking, 
behold a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. I wonder how John missed all that. Hmm? How did, how did he miss all that? <clears throat> and he said, <clears throat> and, and when those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? Shall we strike with a sword? So his disciples asked him, I mean, you know, a sword in those days was like packing today. So his disciples were packing. Right? And notice, notice this. He said, they said, shall we strike with a sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. <laughs> I just thought about this. You know, Peter and John, this actually has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But just listen to me anyway. I just thought of this. And I thought I'd give this is free. Peter and John had something going on, a little competitive thing. You remember uh, when they're running to the tomb and John said, I got there first? In John's account of this, he says, uh, it was Simon Peter who cut that guy's ear off. Luke just said one of them did it. I mean, he's very descriptive about, you know, it's Peter doing all this, you know. It was kind of a competitive thing. Anyway, anyway, I, you know, like I said, that had nothing to do with what I was saying. <clears throat> but but I, I, I get, as I've studied these, as I've preached these, I've just been amazed at the different, at, at the different description that each person gives. It's, it's personalities, you know. If, if you were asking me a question about something, I'd give you an answer. If you asked my wife something, she'd give you a more detailed answer. You understand? I mean, that, that's just the way it is. I'm learning to be more detailed, right? But the, I, I would give you the headlines. She'd give you what really happened. And, and that's kind of what, like, it was every time you hear, hear John's description, you know, well, you know, they, they, they did this. And, you know, what about the fact that Judas kissed him? You know? And, and, and that was the sign that they're supposed to come after him. And he didn't say anything about it. Anyway. So, when those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Did you notice that at least in, in the, these are the only two accounts, in these two accounts, it was never said from Jesus not to strike. He never said, don't pull your sword out. Okay. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Luke's very descriptive that it was the right ear. 
But Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. This is the most intense time any human being has ever dealt with the pressure that could come against a a, a physical body. And this Roman centurion, this Roman soldier, not a centurion, a soldier, this Roman guard is an enemy. And Jesus took the time to do what Father wanted done right there. I want this man's ear healed. And this guy's an enemy. This guy's coming to take him out. But Jesus had compassion on this guy and healed him. It says, it says here, but Jesus answered and said, permit even this, and he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains of the temple and the elders who had come to him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. The reason I brought this account of healing is what what I want to ask you, I want to ask you two things tonight. What will God heal? Who will he heal? Anybody. Saved, unsaved, right? He'll heal anybody. Somebody that's an enemy, he'll heal anybody. As I was reading this story, because I originally told you there was 19, then I saw this one, and I realized here's a healing, but there's not much information, there's not many details you know, to it. But what really struck me is, is that in the most intense time of his whole life, he was still operating under the anointing. He still, I mean, the people fell out because of the anointing on his life. And and what he paid for for us is the ability to endure through anything that we face that we're able to rise up and be his hands and his feet, his voice, everything that humanity needs, even when we're going through difficult times. This last week when, you know, people were without electricity and water and they felt like it was a real intense and pressured time, constantly kept hearing the Lord say to me, no, you, you have the anointing. You can accomplish all things. You can overcome anything that you face. And at the same time, you can help other people. Hmm? Even people that maybe you don't even like. They're without power and water and whatever, and and you can help them. You can do other things for other people in the same way. Because God has empowered us with that same anointing that was on Him to administer health and healing to whoever just across the board, to whoever, to minister health and healing to whoever. Amen? This man, 
in the natural didn't deserve it. He was coming after Jesus. Peter took out the sword because why? Why do you, why do you pack? Well, Pastor, I don't pack. Well, if you pack, why do you pack? For security, for protection. You know, do you think Jesus, I mean, Peter as a fisherman, carried that sword around everywhere he went? I've seen pictures of what it looked like they carried, but it was more of a small, wasn't a long sword. It was like so, and they carried it on the side. But he knew some things were going to happen that night, and, it, and the Scripture said over in John, they were all packing. They came prepared. And Jesus, when they said, do we not pull our swords, he didn't answer. Because what they were doing was what was natural for them. Jesus was family. If you're packing and somebody's coming at you and coming against you, I mean, you think about it, you know, if, I mean, the Roman guard was like, you know, the Kerrville Police Department. And if you've got a pistol, and the police department comes into your home, or they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they've been called to a certain certain case or whatever, and you're around there, and you've got a pistol, and you think you're going to use that against the police department, you may injure a policeman or somebody, but I promise you, they will take you out. Amen. There's not just two of them, you know. There may be two of them there the first time, but then there'll be a dozen, and then if there has to be the whole National Guard, they will take you out. So what Peter did in pulling that sword and asking Jesus about it, it was a natural reaction to protect family. Right? And Peter was, you know, he was a fisherman. So you you think, you know, was... Peter just into removing ears? No, I think it was a bad shot, and he just kind of missed and took the ear off, you know. But, but, you know, Peter Peter was going to the death. Because a person that's going to pull a pistol on a police force or a Roman guard, any kind of weapon like that, you know they're going to take you out. So you're going to go down... Not just cutting ears off, but cutting heads off and everything else. But then Jesus stopped it. In John, he said, put it back in your seat. I've got this. I've got to go through this. And what I wanted to leave you with concerning this with this guy tonight is this. That... An unsaved, ungodly enemy against the cross was the first healing of Jesus once he started on that 14, 16-hour journey to the cross. Here's the first healing, is this guy. My question is, who will Jesus heal? Anybody. Because... Every human being was created in his image, and so healing is already there for us, for everybody. Amen? And the anointing that was on him, he operated in what, what, what happened with the ear was the working of miracles. It was a miracle. You don't 
cut an ear off and then glue it back on. Correct? It was the working of miracles. He operated in that. Can you and I operate in that? It's what he said, but it's when he wills it. When he says we can do that, we can do that. I don't know about you, but I want more of that operating through me and And what influences that is my connection to Him. When I'm connected to Him, then I have the same anointing and same ability that Jesus had because that's why Jesus died. And what happened to this guy in the natural shouldn't happen. And many of us would not allow something like that to happen because, well, you know, that guy, he's this and that and the other. You know what I think? I think that guy became a believer. I mean, you know, I can't prove it. Church history says nothing about it. But I have a really strong feeling that guy became a believer. And, you know, that could, you know, for him to become a believer and be a Roman guard would mean the death. Or whatever. I believe that guy became a follower of Jesus. How many believe that? So, tonight, um, do you you have that that microphone right there? Yeah. I just want to do a couple things. Just listen to me what we're going to do. Just for a couple of minutes, a few minutes. How many have gotten something from this series? Lift your hand. You've, you've actually gotten something from the series. Yeah. Um, who has something that you can stand up here with me and just share what you've gotten from this series? I'm not going to. I'm not putting anybody on. I'm not. I'm not going to call on anybody. If nobody comes up here, then we won't do it. If you got something from this series that would bless other people, I just want you to come stand right here just for a couple of minutes and share. I'll give you 30 seconds. Come on. I want to say that, you know, all the accounts you've had during this series of the, the health and healing, um, I don't believe that's the last one. What I've gotten from this series is that Jesus Christ will always heal. Mm. He'll heal anyone who has the faith to accept him and, and believes in, in what he has promised, mm. you know. Yeah. And that's what I've taken from this Come series. So I thank you, Pastor. And, and uh, w- would you say that, that these 20 accounts just tell us that if he did it for them, he'll do it for me. Absolutely. Would you say that? Yes. Good. Awesome. Thank you for that. Really good. Somebody else? Yes, come on. Um, I think for me, like the biggest thing is just that God is still the same. Like, Jesus is still the same. And these different examples in each situation of how Jesus healed, but understanding each of our lives are different, but Jesus is still here. 
like the healer is still here. Like when you're at home or at your job or in your car, like the healer is still there with you. Like he hasn't left. He's not back then in that time. Like he doesn't change. And so God still wants us to have that healing. And and so I just love the different examples and how he did it differently each time. But he did it differently each time because our situations are different. You know, like we're not the same. And so he wanted each situation to be different so that God could say, I'll do it for you in your situation. Man, so good. Is that good? So true. Man, that is so true. Yes. Well, my brother has been coming and um, listening to some of this healing. He's missed a few uh, times and. Because he's felt he's facing some serious health issues. And it's one thing for his sister to give him the word and give him books and Gloria Copeland brochures with scriptures on it. But he ran into Sean at HEB. And Sean prayed for him at HEB. And what's been said at, at the pulpit is being said by the people in the church mm. to people who need it. And so that's just a real testimony of that's what God has, was planning all along. Wow. So he's not here, but we're standing and we're believing. Come on. Everybody say amen to that. That's awesome, Sean. Awesome. Somebody else? Yes. Well, uh, I really learned a lot uh, when you taught about the Syrophoenician woman, and you really spoke to how Jesus was constantly being led by the Spirit to do exactly the right thing for exactly what that person needed in exactly the right time, even if it didn't look like a normal way to treat a situation. But because the Holy Spirit was pursuing the good of that woman, then Jesus acted in exactly the right way that would bring her into a position of receiving what he had for her, no matter what her background was or where she came from or anything like that. Man, just just close your eyes for a second. Let's thank God for those type of situations, even how people have testified that we will see more of these situations in our lives. In the name of Jesus, more opportunities. As Sean prayed for Isabel's brother in in, in HEB, that we seize those opportunities that come our way. Thank you, Father. Thank you for speaking to us. We open ourselves up to be used by you, to be your mouthpiece in the earth. You've said in your in your word that you can't do it on the earth without us. You've done everything that needs to be done. Now we have to implement it. Thank you, Father. Speak to us. Show us. Reveal to us. Day to day, in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Two more. Anybody? Yes, come on. 
Salomon. So, um, I've been thinking about the woman with the issue of a little, blood. A little bit higher into so you, The woman with the issue of blood, she didn't have that spirit living in her. But when she touched his garment, it sucked the power out of him, and he felt it, it leave. And so that same power and spirit, it's in me. So I'm on the precipice of Come this on. thing. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. Is that a good word or what? Huh? That is a good word. And we need to be reminded of that every single day. Same spirit that was in him lives in us. Amen? That same spirit that raised him from the dead, <laughs> that raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father in all dominion and authority is the same spirit that lives in you and I. I'm telling you, you need to be remind, you need to remind yourself of that every day. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for living inside of me. Thank you, Father, for giving me the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. One more. Somebody else? Everybody good? Amen. Thank you. Thank you for those words. And it's been a this has been a great series to me. It's been a great series to go through and go back over all of these accounts of healing in the ministry of Jesus. And it's, it's an honor to preach the word anywhere, but especially in, in my home church to you. Appreciate you. Many of you have come out for most of these or a lot of these. And um, I'm just believing that the word that went forth will not return void, but accomplish what it was set out to accomplish in the name of Jesus. Amen? Because when the word goes forth and you receive it, then faith arises, and then we're on the receiving end of all that God has for us. Totally excited.